you spent almost a quarter of a century being an announcer. So how did this entire thing begin? Uh, that, that started out in high school. Um, I actually was playing soccer uh, for our team and I was undercut. I got tripped and it ended up uh, landing on my wrist and I broke it. Uh, and baseball, so it was right at the end of soccer season. So baseball was right around the corner um, and having a broken wrist, you know, I couldn't take up a spot on the team, but I still wanted to be a part of it. So I had asked my you know, coach, you know, can I get up in the crow's nest and just announce some, some stuff? And he's like, yeah, give it a shot. So I got up there and I just, I really fell in love with it. And uh, I kind of caught the, caught the bug, you know, um, and then going to college. Uh, my goal was always to get into broadcast journalism. I wanted to be on, you know, sports center. I wanted to do sports news. Um, but, you know, God had other plans for me. So um, I walked into the SID sports information office there at Cal State Fullerton, and it was Mel Franks and Jody Rogenson back then. Uh, this is back in 97. And uh, I said, hey, do you ever need an announcer for any of your games? You know, I'm available. And they said, what are you doing this weekend? And I said, uh, I'm available. So I ended up doing, back then it was called the, the Pony Invitational, the softball tournament. And it's like 24 games over the course of a few days, six days, I think, or four days. And, um, and that's when I kind of fell into the role as the public address announcer at the school. And I did that for 19 years, uh, carried into basketball and every sport except for baseball. And um, while doing basketball, one of the guys I worked with, he ran the scoreboard, Dean Loheis. And he says, Joe, you got to get into boxing announcing. And I said, oh, cool. That would be awesome. And I said, but I don't, I don't know anything about you know, getting into that. And the next thing you know, within a month, I got a phone call from a promoter. And he says, hey, your uncle uh, told me that you're a, a ring announcer and I need an announcer for this weekend. And I said, okay, great. I'll be there. And I'm like, who's my uncle? <laughs> and he says, Dean, your uncle Dean. And I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah. So I played along with it. And, um, you know, here we are, 25 years later I guess right <laughs> and uh, I've actually uh, made a career doing it so so what made you choose Kelsey Fullerton why did you go here specifically um, I started out at, uh, at UNLV actually out of high school um, my dad got sick I took the year off of school and I moved back home and I did some JC stuff so I went to uh, Barstow Community College and then I transferred to San Bernardino Valley um, and then did some environmental biology, some other core courses over at Chafee College. Um, and then I wanted to go back to UNLV. Um, and that's when the, uh, the storm actually was opening auditions for their PA announcer. So that eliminated UNLV if I was to get that job. And I chose between San Diego State, Long Beach and Fullerton. Uh, San Diego State, I didn't think I was gonna get classes that I wanted. Long Beach, um, I wasn't too certain about the area, but I visited Fullerton and I loved Orange County. Like immediately I, I took my mom down and uh, my brother and we we're just like, this is it, this is the place. And you know, funny because back in, in the nineties, I was working um, at Del Taco and Barstow while I was in high school. And I found a Cal State Fullerton hat out in the parking lot. And you know, I remember Phil Nevin, you know, those guys like Mark Kotze, like that's a stud baseball team. They've always had a great program. Mm -hmm. uh, not that I was gonna go walk on and become any type of phenomenon or anything. But I love baseball and, you know, I, I think I didn't choose it because of academics, but I knew there was going to be opportunity for me to do the things that I wanted to do to grow into the career I wanted to get into. Mm -hmm. In Fullerton in Orange County, right near LA, was that like the heart of uh, announcing? Is there like a lot of opportunities that come from it? I, I would say yes, um, just because there are so many different schools, you know, locally. Um, and for anybody like that would want to, to get into something like what I do, I'm a public address announcer or a master of ceremonies. Um, and I've also hosted play by play things, you know, 
Um, but the opportunities are there. And that's why I always encourage people that email me like, Hey, how can I get into doing what you're doing? Because they see me and they think, well, I want to be top level tomorrow. I'm like, no, you've got to go and you've got to, you got to hone your craft really. So um, for me, it was like starting out uh, doing some high school stuff, even doing little league um, and, and just getting your own voice and, and your own style um, and, and your, your opportunities to grow. I think because there are so many different schools and sports around, just knock on a door, you know, and if it's modern day, you know, Hey, I'd like to announce your, your badminton games, you know, don't aim so high in the beginning, you know, but don't be afraid to either. Um, and just, you know, no is no is how you're going to take it. Like somebody's going to say, you know what, we don't have an opportunity for you, but it doesn't mean that's the end of the, the road. You know, one door closes, another opens and so on and so on. And it just continues that way. Um, so I just like to inspire people to never give up because I was the kid in school where like, I wasn't supposed to be doing anything. I wasn't going to go to college. I wasn't supposed to succeed in anything. I was the most likely to not succeed, you know? <laughs> um, so now I get to go back to my high school and, and speak to the kids and just speak life into them because life was never really spoken. And to me, it was always failure, failure, failure. You're not going to make it. You're not going to make it. Well, the more you hear it, the more you start to believe it. But thankfully I had, you know, a good strong support staff with my parents who really encouraged me to chase after my dreams rather than listen to what the naysayers are out there, you know, talking about. And my grandpa always encouraged me too. He says, look, not everybody has to like you, but if 51% do, then you're in the majority. So you're pretty good. So I'll take those numbers any day. In your line of work, it seems like there's a lot of uh, connections that need to be made and need to be fostered before uh, getting into a different position. Whereas in other fields, it would be a lot of resumes and a lot of applications. Whereas this doesn't seem you can't really put your voice on an application and just like, hey, uh, right. I have your voice on paper. You kind of have to like know people who can testify for you or like get you exactly. to. Exactly. Yeah, that's, a, that's actually a very good point. Um, you know, if I was to try and go out into the workforce, um, it would be very difficult for me because what does my resume show? Well, I've announced boxing on HBO, ESPN, all these different things, 22 years of pro baseball. But what does it have to do with desk, desk work? You know, what is my experience in that capacity? And it's extremely limited. So if I'm not succeeding here and doing what I'm doing and chasing you know, this dream, it's going to be very difficult for me. And I have, you know, my road has been so undulating. It's been up and down. And, you know, there's times where I have this college degree and I'm trying to go out and find a job and I can't get one because now I don't have the experience because of this big gap of never you know, working in any corporate environment. Um, and then things that I do know are so far dated that now I have to learn all over again. So uh, just staying, staying in the know as far as, um, you know, the modern technology goes, um, it's very important. So now I'm starting, you know, my own voiceover studio uh, here in my home um, just so I can try and fill some gaps in because I do get a lot of time off. Like, you know, I was just off for 25 days. Uh, last year, I was off for the whole month of April, the whole month of August, which sounds great. but um, in my role, when you're not working, you're not getting paid. You know, there's no paid vacations. There's no, I have no health insurance that's covered. I have no 401k that's covered. I have to pour everything back into myself. Uh, so, you know, start your own LLC, which is what, what I did um, and, and try to maintain that way. Don't want to get cut, you know, lock, locked out in the cold because I wasn't prepared. So it might be awesome one month where you're just raking in the dough or a good couple months run and, but you've got to be careful with it because yeah, there are those, you know, 60 day periods that, uh, that nothing's coming in. 
in announcing, are there people who can like train to become announcers or do you just have to have the right voice in it? And is it just like a natural gift that you just have to have and then hone on it? Or is it something that anyone can get on? Um, well, for me, it was something I always practiced um, and aspired to do. Um, and when I was probably 15 years old, um, I had my ambitions were to become a forest ranger. And um, we had a forest ranger actually come to one of my high school classes. And, you know, I think what kids always want to know is how much do you make? How much do you make? And that was my question. Like, hey, how much do you make? He's like, oh, about 30000 a year. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> you know, that's not going yeah. to do it for me. Um, and not to knock it because I think what they do is fantastic. I mean, and it's so important and invaluable that uh, they're highly underpaid as well as I believe teachers are highly underpaid. Um, you know, we put our money into uh, things that really don't, I think, uh, benefit us intellectually. Uh, we don't pour into our teachers, you know, into our schools. Yeah, they get some money, but at the end of the day, these are the ones that are basically raising up our children, you know, for the next generation to go out and lead the world. So if we're not pouring into them that way, then they're getting poured into in another way, you know, and, and I'm not knocking sports. I think athletes are, are fantastic. It's great entertainment. It pays my bills, but $360 million for a 10 year contract. That's insane to me, you know, and it, it's actually disturbing, you know, in, in some way, um, because now what do kids want to be? They want to be professional athletes. Well, when those, those dreams fail to come to fruition, now what, you know, and th there needs to be backup plans. There needs to be a first plan. There needs to be an education. There needs to be those goals. And if it's not college, that's okay. Learn a trade, something that somebody's always going to want to need or going to need, be a, a hairstylist or do nails or, or change oil, you know, and do mechanically, you're always going to be needed. You're not going to be outsourced. Um, but you know, I was, I was fortunate enough to be lined up in the right direction and, and the path was laid out before me where it doesn't happen for everybody. If you have the drive, I think anything is possible. Mm -hmm. Improve daily. Uh, and what can you do better t tomorrow than you did today? You know, live every day like it's your last because one day you will be right, you know, and you know, those cliches as corny as they sound and may be, it's true. You know, for instance, Kobe Bryant, you know, it's a great shame and a huge loss worldwide, you know, with his passing. But look what look what it has done with the world. I mean, everybody has come together uh, in mourning and his impact was so, so vast that you're like, wow. I mean, that's just a guy that played basketball, you know, in a nutshell. Uh, but he touched every life, I think, on the planet, you know, and that's that's an incredible reach. So, yeah, you're an influencer. Um, in a positive way, you know, we, we're not all perfect. We all fall short of the glory of God, but you know what? It doesn't mean that's the end of us. We keep, we keep growing and, and, uh, and learning every day. We do our best, right? Yeah. He just taught that to a lot of people. And when people look up to him, you can understand that, oh, we should look up to him in the fact that he's able to put in this much effort. Yeah. Yeah. No, and it's, it's character class. I think that's what life is. Um, you know, you, you can even look at Michael Jordan. He was cut from his high school basketball team, you know, and not every athlete out there is talented and gifted and just automatically is a superstar. Yeah. There's not a lot of LeBron James is out there. And yeah, LeBron had to work hard to get to where he is now. But there's other guys out there that and you see him and they have this incredible work ethic, but they don't have the top level talent and ability that some guys can just show up and, and hit threes all day or do whatever they want all day. And you're like, God, it's so effortless, you know. Yeah. Um, and I think in a way it's it's a curse because well, I can always do this. And this is what I'm always going to be able to do. So why do I need to work at it? 
you know, and I remember Alan, Alan Iverson at one point was, uh, was, was ridiculed by his coach for not showing up to practice. And Alan was like, practice? You want to talk about practice? You know, and it's, it's, it's well known. You know, he, the guy didn't practice very much, uh, and he was a superstar. Team goal. You're, you're trying to attain a goal that you all have the same one in mind. You know, it's a championship. So, yeah, you need a team behind you. Like, I got my wife. Without my wife and my, you know, that support, my team is, is failing. You know, so if she's not at home, you know, preparing the kids for school and, and doing that stuff, I can't go out and do what I, you know, need to do to provide for my family. You know, and the same is with your parents and or if your friends, you know, they're your support staff. And the, the five most influential people you surround yourself with is who you're going to become. So surround yourself with like-minded people that maybe even above you, you know, intellectually or spiritually or, or uh, with a work ethic and aspire to be like or better than them because it's going to only help you to grow more you know in in what you want to become so Mm -hmm. so let's take this back to cal state fullerton why or how did your major affect the job that you're doing now was it necessary for you to uh, major in communications to do your job well or was it something that you could have just done straight out of high school without going to college man uh you know honestly I kind of knock myself around a little bit for not majoring in something else, uh, maybe business or, um, you know, economics, something where I could use to better handle uh, finances or, or if I needed to have a real job someday, you know, go down that Avenue. Um, I majored in, of course, in broadcast journalism and, you know, it helped me to get a career in journalism. You know, for a couple of years, I was a sports writer, sports editor, um, but for doing what I do now, you know, it's something that, yeah, I probably could have just done right out of high school. Um, in fact, I did. Um, and while I was in college. Um, but yeah, I think if I could go back, I would have, I would have put more value on pursuing a, a different degree, you know, than I did. For me, it was like, oh, I want to just get my degree, get in there and get my job, you know. And when I graduated college, I went and I did my internship at a small ABC affiliate. Um, and I didn't do anything I should have done. You know, I should have gone out and made a demo reel, you know, some stand-ups on the camera so I could, um, you know, hopefully land a job reporting somewhere. But I was just like, I need a job. I need a job. So I ended up editing, editing tape and writing copy and running a teleprompter for three months for free. And, you know, the end of the three months came and like, Hey, we don't have any jobs for you, but you know, Hey, good job. Like, Great. So that was my internship wasted, Mm -hmm. you know, unfortunately. But fortunately, too, because um, it helped to propel me to to work harder in in achieving a uh, the goal where where I, I have what I've attained to today, and I'm not done. You know, I'm I'm still growing um, and expanding myself um, and encouraging my kids. I'm a dad now, so I'm a teacher and I'm a husband. So I've got I've got more responsibilities than just Joe. You know, back then it was easy to be selfish because I was the only thing that mattered you know, in my own career, in my own mind. Um, so that's about that. <laughs> so if you were to go back, what would you major in instead of communications? I think business. Um, I enjoy business. I enjoy helping people. Um, and what, what job would it be or line of work? I'm not sure. Um, but I've always been able to, to sell. You know, I, I'm a salesman. You got to sell yourself. Mm-hmm when you're looking for a job anyway and i'm a i'm a pretty good salesman when it comes to to a product if i believe in it um so yeah i think 
a type of business degree would have benefited me you know, even today or any finance degree um, so I can take people's money and invest it in my own bank account, you know, that type of thing. So when you came into Cal State Fullerton, you came with some experience at another college and then at a JC also. So you were a little older than your peers at that time. Did it affect the way you went to school or was it relatively normal being a few years older than that? Uh, you know, I didn't, I never had any problems going to class. And as far as the, the age difference, you know, I did start out on campus living uh, for that first semester. Um, so my roommates were fresh out of high school. Um, I was 21 and you probably know what that means. Um, so, you know, we, we had some pretty good times, um, but I was, I was a bit more mature, I would say, you know, definitely. Um, but I did have my own room and, and I spent most of my time at the sports complexes, if it was the basketball, you know, in the gym or, or at the soccer stadium. Um, so I was that guy. I, I just always enjoyed going to the sporting events and whatnot, uh, or I was working them. So I didn't have time really to, to mess around, you know, and get into dumb things. Um, but yeah, um, once that first semester was over with, I got my own apartment with, you know, a couple buddies and, and, uh, and then things really got crazy. In fact, that announcing gymnastics or wrestling, um, softball, going to announce a softball world series, uh, touring with the Globetrotters, you know, from basketball, getting into boxing boxing because of basketball you know all these things were because I took a chance and walked into the you know into that office and, and asked for a shot uh, and if I had not done that and I think about it often like what would I have ended up doing you know I even considered you know, when I graduated college I considered joining the military you know going into officer candidate school I have a family of military background um, and I wanted to be a marine and uh, and why not go in as, as an officer you know with a degree but you know, every time I tried to ch chase down or knock down that door, something else pulled me back into where I am now. Every time I tried to get a full-time job, a real gig with, with real benefits and, and a, a retirement plan, something didn't work out, you know. So I, am, I know I'm at, last I don't know, uh, but I'll keep doing it as long as, uh, you know, as the opportunities are there. So something else I wanted to touch on was, why you kept announcing at Cal State Fullerton, even after you graduated, you did it for almost two decades. So what was the importance yeah. for you to continue doing that over, over time? I think um, for me, it was, man, I tell you what, if I could be a professional college student, I would, I totally would. Um, I've always enjoyed the, the, the college level of sporting events, you know, the, the fan enthusiasm. Um, not that there are highly attended games, um, but for me, it was like, oh, man, I just I love college basketball. I love announcing. Uh, I love to see the kids, you know, growing. And, um, and then our table, you know, the, the table, the scores table, we were all there for decades. You know, e even today, you know, Janine Hill and Linda Hill, uh, Brian Pullman, these people were there well before I was even there. Uh, and I think the Orange County Register even did an article on us um, probably back in maybe 2015 or somewhere, you know, back then. And it was like, you guys have been here so long. And uh, I think our love for Cal State Fullerton just shows there because we're obviously not doing it for the money. You know, there's, there's not a lot of money at that level. We enjoy talking trash to each other, you know, <laughs> or stab or what plays they're running. I mean, everybody's a quarterback. What is it, an armchair quarterback? You know, we all know what they should be doing and they're not doing it. Mm -hmm. um, but that wasn't our focus. It was more like, you know, when we win, we win with them, you know. You know, I still follow Cal State Fullerton basketball. Um, you know, sometimes I get on TV, and yeah, when they're on TV, it's 10 p.m. or it's you know midnight here. 
but I'll stay up and watch it, you know. One of the questions I wanted to ask also was what your favorite announcing gig was, anywhere from like the Olympics or was it when you were starting off or was it following the Globetrotters? What was your favorite and most memorable one? Uh, I think the first time um, I did uh, WEC in, uh, in Sacramento, WEC was World Extreme Cage Fighting before it moved over to UFC. So we had all the lighter weight guys and Uriah Faber was like the king of the WEC. He was the face, he was the, the poster child you know, for the organization. And he fought a veteran UFC fighter um, at Arco Arena up there in Sacramento. And, you know, there's about 16,000 people there and it was nuts, crazy, loud. And the electricity in the, the venue was incredible um, that, you know, I felt like I might pass out because it, it was like all this pressure of noise was just beating into my chest. I'm like, oh, my gosh, you know, and like and then I start to wonder, am I going to be loud enough for them? And, you know, as as what I do, you know, as an announcer, uh, as a ring announcer, when it gets so loud, you think you have to yell. Um, so I have to really try to tone myself down and, and maintain that level because if I'm yelling, then I'm on TV and I'm yelling and I sound like a monster truck guy, like Saturday, it's going to be crazy, you know? And so maintaining yourself in that way. And I've never had to do that before because normally our crowds were about, you know, 2,500 people max, uh, but to have a full arena with, with that much uh, enthusiasm was incredible, you know, and I've felt it several times since then, but I would say that would be my most memorable time because it was my first time. You mentioned that getting into the UFC and being an announcer for them was one of your greatest goals. So how did that, how does one become a UFC announcer? Like what, what had to change for you over time that wouldn't have happened earlier? Was it just like communicating with the right people? Was it honing your craft? How did that happen? Yeah, I, see, it, it all was supposed to happen and I don't know why. Um, and, and I think it was because I made the effort. You know, again, we go back to to putting things in front of people, you know, taking charge of, of who you are and where you want to be. And UFC was in Anaheim years ago and Tito Ortiz was down at uh, House of Blues. UFC was there promoting and Craig Borsari, who is like Dana, Dana White's you know, right-hand man, pretty much, um, was there and I handed him a demo of, of me ring announcing. And I didn't think, yeah, he'll look at it and care or he'll probably throw it away I, I didn't I don't know what he ever did with it in fact I've never even talked to him about it since then um, but a few months later I got called from the WEC and they asked me to come up and do a show and it was on HDNet and then I became the WEC announcer well lo and behold UFC bought WEC so now they own them and then when we're under that umbrella that UFC umbrella when the two companies merged they didn't have a gig for me so I was just kind of kicked out like I was on my own um, and I got picked up by other organizations. The day I, the day I resigned from the WEC, I got about 20 different emails and phone calls from promoters ending on with an organization called Cage Warriors, where Conor McGregor came out of and a lot of other guys. So I had these guys before they went on the UFC. And it was, it was cool because it was like the WEC of Europe. You know, it was the, the lower, lower level, but mid-tier, mid right? Mm -hmm. So the guys that were a step away from UFC. So I got to really hone my craft more there. Mm -hmm. You're also the co-founder of Anchor of Hope Ministries, and then you also became a Christian minister recently. Yeah, I was ordained in 2015, 16. So, so how have you been able to balance everything? You just, there's a lot to keep up, to keep up with family, your religion, your work, traveling, yeah. just juggling everything. So I think, uh, yeah, um, that's a good question. Um, it, the balance comes into play by what you invest yourself into, um, you know, 
you are what you eat, right? So out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So whatever I'm ingesting is what's going to come out of my mouth. And if I'm, you know, I, I've eliminated television pretty much, you know, we do have YouTube TV. Um, you know, so we watch some programming, but I don't, I don't involve myself in, you know, R-rated movies. I've, I've just really changed a lot. I don't drink. I don't smoke. Um, you know, all life changes. I don't, you know, go on Facebook because I don't have it. I don't go on Twitter. It's like all these things that I needed to build myself up to feel better about myself because somebody else thought I was a good announcer or a great announcer. I eliminated because I don't, I don't want to base my mood or my emotions on what somebody else thinks about me because I already know what God thinks about me. So that's enough for me. And I know what my wife thinks about me and what my kids, and those are more important to me than this guy or this girl that I don't know around the world somewhere and what they think about me because people will change on you at the drop of a hat, yeah. you know, and, uh, and I know who won't. So that, those are who I keep close to me. So value those things and cherish them and hold, hold them close to you. And they'll always be there. To close off, what advice would you give to students in general at Cal State Fullerton or overall um, regarding anything, just anything that's on the top of your mind? Uh, I would just say have a good, strong character, know who you are. And, um, because character is going to be revealed, you know, in struggles and in good. Um, so if you know who you are and you don't compromise that, uh, you're going to be successful. And, and success isn't you being, you know, a lead anchor on a number one uh, market network. Uh, success starts up in your mind, you know, and you can, you can choose to destroy people or you can choose to build them up. Um, and a lot of people advance in their career by, by bringing people down. So I'd say maintain a, a good, strong level of character and integrity and persevere uh, because it's going to be a struggle. You know, things, good things don't happen overnight. And I think to become a professional at anything, I think if it's, I've heard it's, you know, 10,000 hours of practice, right? You know, you want to be a great free throw shooter, 10,000 hours, 10,000 hours of three points or, you know, whatever it is in your life that you want to be great at invest in your in yourself and invest your time into it but but know that if you fail that's not the end you know um, and that's where your character is revealed so stand strong keep fighting go titans tuss up all right so thank you very much joe for joining me today i really appreciate you taking the time out of your day and uh, allowing us to get insight onto your experiences at cal state fullerton and you going through everything and just balancing everything in life and then becoming a successful ring announcer and balancing religion on top of that and your whole family and just working together to be the most well-rounded person you can be without falling too far onto one end or the other. So it was really great insight for me and I'm sure a lot of students will get, get that insight too and be able to use it and all the advice that you gave. So again, thank you very much for joining me today. Oh, it was great hanging out with you and thanks for the, the opportunity. And then if you want to reach out to Joe, you should go to Time Pro Network, sign up, and feel free to message him. Like you said before, that you're willing to help out students or give them advice. So if you ever need any advice, whether you're majoring in communications or you want to be an announcer one day in the future, or it's just anything in general, if you're having struggles balancing things or you just really like what he said, feel free to reach out to him. Let him know that you listened to the podcast and you came from there. And yeah, so is there anything else you would like to plug on that or... I yeah, well, you know, there's not much you can plug. I know. I was like, well, I can't plug my Twitter. I don't have one. Yeah. Um, so I do actually have an Instagram. It's Joe A. Martinez. Okay. Um, and it's just family and friends. But feel free to, to shoot me a, a DM on there. And, 
and I'll be happy to reply. You know, I, I never let uh, my replies go unanswered. <laughs>